chapter 3, verse 17. Did I tell you it's good to see you tonight? If I didn't tell you, let me tell you again. It's just great to see every one of you here. Thank you for coming. And I hope the Lord has been doing good things to you and for you. Most of us, I'm just looking around. Most of you are like me. Uh, I've been battling amnesia. No, anorexia. <laughs> amnesia. Anorexia. I've been battling it. And I'm going to tell you, I hadn't been doing a good job of winning. And I look around, some of you have been battling it too. And, and uh, you don't look like you're winning very good. <laughs> I heard a strong... A strong vote for me to preach. <clears throat> I'll take that. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world. Everybody say that with me. Light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Would you say that with me also? For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth Coming to the light. One more time would you say that. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. That his deeds may be made manifest. That they are wrought in God. And then one verse of scripture in John 8.32. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. I just want to teach a Bible lesson on the light of the truth. Everybody say that with me, the light of the truth. Amen. I, I, um, I truly believe that when God reveals truth to us, that a light comes on inside of us. I've watched people get the Holy Ghost and before they got the Holy Ghost, their lives were in darkness, and that darkness showed in their faces. And I've seen people get the Holy Ghost, and it's just like you pulled a switch, cord, or flipped a light switch, and it's like their face lit up. And I'm going to tell you, whether we accept it or not or believe it or not, I truly believe that when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, God goes inside of you. You're filled with His Spirit. God is light. 
So when you get God inside of you, a light comes on. That old darkness and that old evil, all of that stuff is pushed out. And that light starts shining. And you look different when you got the Holy Ghost. Turn to somebody and say, you look different than you did when you got the Holy Ghost. Brother Nick, did you find me a water? You couldn't find me one? Okay. I apologize. I've My grandson and I have been working on mom and daddy's old house trying to get it fixed up where we can sell it. It's been sitting vacant nine years and we've been tearing up carpet. I've been painting with a spray can, and I've I got more sniffles and stuff. I, I'm trying to stay away from you. I don't want you to think I've got COVID. I don't. I got hay fever. I got sinus. <clears throat> and uh, if I had anything else, I wouldn't be here tonight. I don't have fever. I am coughing every once in a while. Just this is just overcoming me. But um, we tore up all the carpet in the house. And probably about 50 years of dust was under that carpet. Thank you there, gentlemen. Everybody say, God bless you, Brother Nick. All right, I know you want to be seated. I keep forgetting about it because I have to stand. So you can be seated. God bless you. It is amazing that the notion of truth itself has even become controversial. But it has. It is a common view among many philosophers today that there's no such thing as absolute truth. Truth, they say, is always relative and always contextual. According to this thinking, my truth and your truth may be different, even contradictory, but both views have equal claim to the to being truth. Now, I, right there, if I never said anything else, I'm going to tell you, I don't agree with that. I'm not a philosopher. I'm not a psychologist. Uh, <clears throat> I really think I'm smarter than they are on religious things. Uh, maybe not on, on, on uh, secular things of this world. But I do feel like I understand the Word of God and a, a thing like truth is so valuable and so important. And I do believe in absolute truth. I do believe in absolutes. And I think anybody with right thinking will have to believe uh, that truth has to be something that you can know. You can know, uh, and it can be assured and established and ever settled. It's not a wishy-washy thing. It's not something that you can believe or not believe. Truth is truth. It stands alone by itself. And it proves itself. According to this thinking, my truth and your truth may be different, I said. There's no absolute standard and no universal content, according to some, in a worldview where everything is the result of random chance. 
it is not surprising that we have no common ground on issues of morality and spirituality. You won't find many ordinary common people making the expl explicit argument that there is no such thing as true. Good, country, common, everyday, ordinary people know that there's something called truth and you can't get around it. You cannot compromise it. You gotta have truth to establish your life with and align it up to. I thank God for truth. Truth, and, and I'm talking about truth in the Word of God, but truth applies to everything. Uh, man, when you don't have truth involved, you have chaos. There's total chaos when there's no truth involved. And that's what's wrong with our Congress today. There's so little truth. There's so little truth that they can hardly get anything done. And I'm not being political tonight. I just made a true statement. <laughs> you won't find many people like us not believing in truth. I'm ordinary, common, country, beans and cornbread kind of person. I believe in truth. However, you do hear people saying that no one has a right to judge another person. That's coming in our literal liberal society that we live in through the generations of liberals uh, trying to control our world. Nobody wants to, you to feel like they're judging you anymore. And it's even bleeding over into the ch uh, church. We're uh, almost to a day that you can't even read the Bible without it being judgmental in some people's eyes. And I will tell you this. I don't know when it's going to happen, but there's a day coming in our future, if the Lord tarries, that the Bible will be classified as a hate book. And anybody that stands for morality, if you stand for truth, you're going to be classified as a hate individual, a person that is hateful. And I'm telling you, it's sad, but that's what we're coming to in America and in our world. <clears throat> you hear people saying things like, I would never live with somebody without being married to them, but I'm not going to say it's wrong for them. Now, that didn't come from the Bible. That came from our liberal society. It's wrong to live with somebody you're not married to. And our world has been doing it so long, it's almost commonplace. And a lot of people feel like marriage is like a car. They want to go try it out a while, ride it around a while to make sure before they get stuck with them. And that's not the way that God meant it to happen. God meant for those eyes to sparkle and that heart to thump and you to get that feeling and you say, I want to marry you and go through the ceremony and make that commitment and you're married for life until death do we part. <clears throat> to impose my views 
would be intolerant. <clears throat> Whatever two consenting adults choose to do is okay as long as no one gets hurt. And that's the feeling of the world today. In general, the younger a person is, the more likely it is that they will see tolerance as the ultimate virtue and judgmentalism as the ultimate sin. According to a survey done by Barna Research, about three-quarters, three-fourths of the adults in America rejected the notion that there are absolute moral truths. Most Americans believe that all truth is relative to the situation and the individuals involved. It doesn't matter, you know, truth is not really that important. It just depends on the situation, whether it's important or not. Most Americans believe that all truth is relative to that situation. Similarly, at least 80% of our teens embrace the same position regarding moral truths. Not only did more than four out of five teenagers say there is no absolute moral truth. And you know why they're saying this? This was a recent survey. You know why? Because of the breakdown in the home and the breakdown in our school system. When you take God out of the school, get ready. Anything's fixed to happen. And if you don't get God in your home, get ready. Anything is going to walk in and take uh, uh, authority and take a place and sit down and enjoy itself. That's why you need to guard your home. You need to protect truth. You need to make sure that liberal thinking does not come into your home. Only 6% of teens... And 9% of born-again teens believe in moral absolutes. Can I tell you, Sunday school teachers, don't go in there and just babysit our kids. Don't go in there and just cut out paper dolls and, and color things. All those crafts are good. We've got to get the word in those kids. we got to tell them truth. we got to tell them right and wrong according to the word of God. Can somebody say, I believe that. People actually want the church to stand up for something in spite of the culture. They just get upset when that something calls their conduct into question. They don't mind the church taking a stand. Just don't get on my toes. Just don't come through my door. Don't knock on, on my door and don't call my phone number. It's alright. You can take a stand, but just don't bother me. For most of us, the word free is almost a magical word that has power over us. It seems to draw us near and captivate our attention we end up taking whatever item it is it doesn't matter what it is it's free and I want it it's just like when things were on sale for some unknown reason 
We'll buy things on sale and we don't necessarily need them, but we're thinking, boy, look at the money that I'm saving. We don't look at the money we're spending. You may be saving off the price, but if you don't need it that bad and you buy it, you're not saving. But it's a bargain and we got to have it because it's on sale. Just think about how many items that you and I have in our homes that we never really use. But you have them simply because it was either free or it was a good deal. It was on sale. We are drawn to freebies and, and sales. And I suppose the whole idea of receiving it is what makes us feel special. So one of our nation's founding documents is called the Declaration of Independence. How many of you ever heard of that? I hope you have. And in that Declaration of Independence are these words. We hold tr these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A lot of people want to read that and make it as though the Congress has written this to make us happy. And that it's their responsibility to provide for us and make us happy. But this document says they've given us the privilege to pursue after things. You can pursue happiness and you can pursue having a good life if you want to. Or you can pursue allowing the government to take care of all of your needs and you can just gripe and complain and find fault and bellyache and just have a miserable life and make everybody miserable around you. I don't know how you feel. Well, I think I do too. I want to be happy in this life. Life is too short for me not to be happy. I don't have a whole lot of years left and I'm trying to enjoy my time on this earth. And I feel like David, uh, especially now with this uh, COVID virus, I was glad when they said unto me, <laughs> let us go to the house of the Lord. There's something that's just got a hold of me thinking about a privilege of being able to come to church tonight. I was glad I could come to church Today. Woo, it feels good to be here, doesn't it? We are a nation of free people. Our nation's founders realized the importance of basing that freedom upon the same, same set of laws that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. It's true. You look about any place. I know they're taking them away. Uh, a lot of uh, states and cities have removed the Ten Commandments and things about God. But still, in Washington, D.C., 
And you will still find scriptures written on, on almost every famous building in sight in Washington, D.C., including the Capitol building where the Supreme Court meets. As you walk up the steps to the Capitol building, you can see near the top of the building a row of statues that represent the world's great givers or lawgivers. And each of these statues is facing one statue in the middle. That one statue is facing forward with a full frontal view. Any idea who was in the middle? It's Moses holding the Ten Commandments. I'm telling you, we still have a little bit of decency left. We still have some representation in our world that reminds us that the laws of God are still essential and important for people to be governed by. As you enter the Supreme Court itself, there are two huge oak doors and engraved on the lower portion of each door, guess what you will see? You will see the tablets of stone representing the Ten Commandments of God. And if you were to sit inside that courtroom, you could see on the wall right above where the Supreme Court justice, uh, judges sit, Again, you will see a display of the Ten Commandments. Why would they design the Supreme Court in this way? Because as a nation of free people, our leaders intended to build our freedom upon God's laws given Moses on Mount Sinai. God's laws are the divine truth and, the, uh, and are perfect in intent and justice and direction. The law of God is eternal truth and does not change with time, with people, with leaders, with places. It does stay the same. The law of God is an expression of his desired will, which has been revealed to all mankind in various degrees. I'm telling you something, folks. We are a privileged people to have truth that we can go to as a barometer or as a measurement, a weight and a scale, something we can look at and say, that is the truth. The word of God is forever settled. God intended that his word would be what we base our entire lives on. And I'm telling you, when you see the truth, the light comes on and you realize the value of God's word and God's principles and God's power and God's love and God's program. We struggle for freedom. Everybody wants freedom. We seek it. We dream about it. Freedom is a basic human desire. And everyone craves it. 
every nation. You know who? You know where people want to go when they get tired of being in bondage to America. They want to come over here, and many of them come illegally. Many of them do come legally. Some of them we don't know how they get in. They get in, and some get caught and have to go back. Freedom is a basic human desire, and everyone craves it. Freedom is the highest virtue, and it's sought after by all who consider themselves to be oppressed. Unfortunately, two very different ideas of freedom get confused in many people's minds. The biblical idea of freedom is different than the culture value of freedom. And neither one of them is the same as free will. It can be confusing to the average person who wants to know what real freedom is. It is having choices. Or is it having choices? Is it lack of certain constraints? Is it being able to do whatever you want to do? To understand real freedom, as with all other matters, the only final guide we have is God's Word. To the world, those operating without divine absolutes of Scripture, freedom means the right to be and do as you please. It means doing your own thing, being your own boss, looking after your own self-interest. But the Bible teaches that such a definition or viewpoint is not freedom. It is an excuse to throw off the moral restraints of God in pursuit of selfish goals. What did Jesus really say when he said, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What was he saying? Life is full of warnings. It seems like someone is always telling us what we cannot do. Some think that it is the essence of, of Christianity. God sits upon heaven on a throne issuing rules for us to follow. He commands, don't do this, don't do that, don't dare have any fun, just do what I tell you because I'm the boss. I know that rules, warnings, etc., are not things that we love. In fact, some warnings in America have gone a little far. I read some uh, real-life warnings on products, and the first one I found was on a snow sled. It warned, beware, sled may develop high speeds under certain snow conditions. Now, that's stupid. Why in the world do you buy a snow ski? or a snow sled, you want to go fast. You're buying it for those conditions. 
on a package of fishing lures. There was a warning, harmful if swallowed. Now that struck me funny. <clears throat> Is this for the fish or the pond? What, what, what is that for? Or can you imagine a fisherman who's been out on the boat all day, he's starving to death, and he looks down, he sees that bright colored lure, and he thinks, oh boy, that looks tasty. He's about to pop it into his mouth. He's about to swallow that lure and thank God for that warning that said not for human consumption. One company sells those cardboard sun shields used to keep the hot sun off the dashboard. One of those legal notices uh, was printed on the board you somewhat for someone who might forget that this product is blocking their view so the shield has to warn everybody do not drive with this sun shield in place who could forget to remove the obstruction i mean some laws some warnings are ridiculous Religion for many becomes drudgery instead of freedom. What a tragedy. A lot of people can only see the do nots. They can only see the laws that govern religion or govern God's kingdom. And can I tell you, that's what makes it so beautiful. Because you have truth in the middle of it. And when you are in the middle of truth, you're not going to be wishy-washy. You're not going to know what not to do. You're always going to be certain. You're always going to be able to stay on the straight and narrow in the middle of the road because you got truth. It is truth that sets you free. It is truth that gives you light. It is truth that takes away the darkness and gives you the way. Religion for many becomes drudgery, like I said. Many can only see the warnings. They forget the benefits. I know, you know, when you're living for God, there are some things you can't do. You can't get drunk anymore. You can't go on a drug, drug binge and, and be a drug addict. You cannot be a pimp You cannot work for a pimp and be active in God's kingdom. You cannot be a liar and be in God's kingdom. I mean, all these things are good for us. Every one of them I just mentioned are good for us. Not to do. So when I look at truth, I don't look at those things that I can't do. Because I know if I do those things, it's going to hurt me. Eventually, it's going to catch up with you. You get in that world, you may end up with a bullet between your eyes, your hands tied behind your back. Happens every day. And so God knows that there are some things that we just do not need to do. 
And when I look at that, I don't say, oh, God, you cut me out of all the fun. I say, thank you, Jesus. I'm not part of that world. Thank you, God, that I have peace and joy. Thank you, God, that I'm not looking over my back. I'm not afraid to answer my door. I'm not afraid to pick up the phone. I'm not afraid to go down the street because I have God and the peace that he gives me. God is all about freedom. Only with Him we can experience that real freedom. Consider these two statements. Psalms 119 and 32 in the NIV version says, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. And then in verse 45 it says, I will walk about in freedom. For I have sought out your precepts. Those two statements connect freedom and God's word. One says, because we are free, we're able to keep the commands of God. The other says, since we seek out the precepts of the scripture, we are able to live in freedom. Both verses say freedom and the word go hand in hand. Often our culture defines freedom as being loose from the shackles of religion. We talk of free thinkers and the Catholic encyclopedia defines them, free thinkers, as those who abandoning the religious truths and moral dictates of the Christian revelation and accepting no dogmatic teaching on the ground of authority based their beliefs on the unfettering finding of the reason alone. Free thinkers usually reject the teaching of scriptures and choose their own beliefs they consider themselves free from God and His laws because they have chosen a path and they have a belief system and so they consider themselves free. That's why a lot of people used to be in Pentecostal movement. Now they get on FaceTime and they say, we're free. And they, they just do anything they want to do. They look any way they want to look, dress any way they want to dress, and they justify it now because we are free. Well, I don't consider what God gives me as my identity as a man, and my wife considers what God gives her as an identity for a woman to be a shackle or a burden or a hardship, I consider it to be freedom. Don't feel sorry for me. <laughs> Why don't we all stand? I'm not going to get through with this tonight. And I didn't set my clock. I don't know how long I've gone.